Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Let's pray, and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us again uh, to be here today. Um, Lord, we are so blessed um, to have the freedoms we have. We're so blessed to have um, just all of the goodness that you pour out in our lives. And uh, Lord, this morning was just a great morning, uh, Lord, just to see uh, you move and, and be present um, and uh, just the, I don't know, just the working uh, of your hand in this place. It's just neat to watch, God, and we thank you for allowing us to be a part of anything that you're doing, God. And uh, We pray that we would stay submitted to you and we would stay obedient to you. And tonight as we get back into your word, uh, we'd be encouraged once, to get, once again. We'd be unified. Um, and uh, this, this, this message tonight, what happens tonight, would be uh, something that's profitable for your kingdom. And we would use it, be convicted, challenged, encouraged, uh, edified, whatever is necessary uh, through it. And so uh, we pray you just bless now and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. First John chapter 3. Um, I had notes but I printed them and left them on the copier. So the good news is, is if, you, uh, if you are on the group for the PDFs, you can go on there and there's some notes. But I will tell you, there's not a whole lot of notes. There's a bunch of blanks on there. So if you just want to take notes, you can take notes because uh, I just felt like we were supposed to go through these scriptures and talk about them. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Again, this is nothing new. John has already talked about it. We've covered this. This is not uh, a new commandment. This is not a new message. Uh, but it was something that Jesus Christ, when he came and his ministry began here, uh, it's what he brought. It was the commandment that he uh, said basically encapsulated or helped encapsulate all the law and the prophets. That was the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so, uh, once again, this reminder comes from John to these believers uh, that we should be loving one another. And uh, I, I think it's neat what he's about to do here in, in Scripture because uh, when we think about if this is such an important thing, if this is something that um, he said, Jesus said from the very beginning, this is not news to you, this is what all believers are supposed to be defined by. You should be loving one another. Uh, I, I think that we've talked about love, what it is. We've talked about what love does and, and all those things in this. But it's such an important thing for us to get because the way that John is going to go about this is basically show us what love is not first, right? Because sometimes that helps us get a, a clear picture of what something is when you see what it's not. And uh, so to paint this vivid picture of loving one another, which is the message or the commandment from the beginning, he shows, again, what it doesn't look like. In verse 11, he, I mean, verse 12, he says this, so we should not be like Cain. So this is the message you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, though. This is the opposite, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? It says, because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So essentially John says, loving one another doesn't look like how Cain murdered his brother. Uh, and the reason why Cain murdered his brother is because he was jealous. 
And I, I want to look at that in uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. And this is the account we have. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of, now look at this, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So if you go back and look what, what Cain brought, it says that he brought an offering. Well, that's good, he, right? He brought an offering. But it just says that he brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. It didn't specify it like, like Abel's offering was specified. Abel's offering was very clearly from the very firstborn of his flock. Now, we're not going to do an, a, an entire study on the firstborn, but you can go all throughout Scripture and see the importance of firstfruits and firstborns. And there is a ton on that, how, how that is what uh, is important. That's what's set apart. Again, we, we've been looking at Jacob. We saw Jacob and Esau and, and how Jacob had the birthright because he was the firstborn. And uh, I mean, Esau did, and Jacob stole it from, from Esau. And so we, we see this is very important that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, and not just the, the fact that it was the, the firstborn he brought, but he also brought the fat portions. And the Lord, the Bible says, had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. He was very sad and, and down and angry, and the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? I think it's so funny. I love how the Bible says things. Why has your face fallen? We should start asking each other that instead of like, you okay? Are you sad? I'm like, your face is falling. <laughs> If you do well, sorry, will you, will, uh, will you not be accepted? So if you do what's right, aren't you going to be accepted in, in, in my sight? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, when they were in the field. Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. We're not told exactly what it was in Scripture. I think that we can gather, um, and we're not going to do a thorough study on that either tonight, but I think that we could gather um, some things and, and, and come to the place where we could say it could possibly have, possibly have been uh, rejected, Cain's offering rejected because it wasn't a blood sacrifice. Uh, we could go back to the, even, even before they were born when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned against God and they try to hide themselves and they sewed together fig leaves and try to cover themselves because they were naked and they finally realized that they were naked and God said, who told you you were naked? And, and they said, uh-oh. <laughs> and so God, what did God do? God provided them animal skins. Well, something had to die in order for that to happen. Blood had to be shed. What we see in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. There's no remission of sin. And so there's something to the blood sacrifice. God instituted the blood sacrifice. In Hebrews, we're also told that the blood sacrifice of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was not sufficient enough. That's why it had to be done year after year. That's why when we get to Christ, He is the spotless Lamb of God. He is the sacrifice once and for all for the sins of mankind. And so His blood sacrifice is sufficient. That's why I said when Brother Turner sang that song, paid in full. It was the price paid for all of our sins. And so... Uh, we could say it was because it wasn't a blood sacrifice. Um, we could say, well, yeah, but it, that's not fair because uh, Abel, it was his sheep. He was the, the, the shepherds. Uh, he was a shepherd. And, and uh, Cain, he was just a, a gardener. He, he was a, a farmer. And so how is that fair that God would reject his if it was just because it was a blood sacrifice? 
But I, I, I want to say that I, I think there's a couple of things, again, with, with Scripture's support that tell us why his sacrifice was rejected and why he ended up having uh, a murder on his account. Um, and I think that's, first of all, he didn't, he didn't have faith in God. And the Bible says that, that we are imputed God's righteousness for faith. The same thing for Abraham. So I don't think that he trusted God, and I think that was seen in his sacrifice. Because what we don't see, as we saw a while ago, is in Cain's sacrifice, or Cain's offering, is it wasn't the very best, and it wasn't the first. It was just fruit that he had. So we're not told if it was just laying around or if he gathered up extra of what he wasn't going to use or what he wasn't going to try to uh, do something else with. But I believe that it was because he didn't trust God. I believe also because he didn't have faith with God, didn't have this relationship with God, the offering didn't mean as much to him, and therefore he didn't have this love for God that was obvious and evident in Abel's life, and so that it wasn't driving him to do that. And so there wasn't a relationship with God. There wasn't a love for God. There wasn't this faith in God. There wasn't righteousness, therefore, in his life because he didn't have faith in God. And so when he brought to God something, it was something of his own not the very best, not the very first, not acknowledging that God deserves it all, God deserves the best, not, not saying, you know what, I want to give, uh, you know, my all to him. Again, the next thing that is evident to it being a heart problem for Cain is obvious when God approaches him and says, hey, why are you angry? Why are you sad? Well, because you took his offering, you didn't take mine. Instead of, instead of, think about this, I don't know about you, and, and maybe it's just the way I'm wired, but if, if, if God came to me and said, what's your problem? I, I mean, I don't like being in trial. I'd be like, I'm sorry, God, <laughs> you know, forgive me, you know, please forgive me. And maybe that's just the way I'm wired. Maybe like, no, and if I did an offering, I'd be like Cain. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's what I would say to you. Uh, no, I'm just, but he doesn't repent. He doesn't, he doesn't say, God, I'm sorry. Where did I go wrong? God, how did I miss the mark? God, show me my, my wrong. God, I'm sorry. No, he doesn't do anything like that. He's sad, he's angry, and when God confronts him, what does he do? He goes up and has this conversation and confronts his brother in the field and then kills him. He was jealous. Again, we're, we're told in, in Scripture that, that faith is accounted for righteousness. See it all throughout Scripture. And so I believe that Abel very clearly had faith in God. Therefore, he did take the very best of what he had to give to God and to offer to God. Abel also, therefore, had love. And because Abel had faith and because he had love, again, he gave. We've seen that. Love gives. Love gives even and especially in sacrifice. And that's, again, pointing to the Christ sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave. And so, again, I wonder this evening... When we were looking at these, these, this thought of loving our brother and seeing the picture painted that what love is not is not what Abel or what Cain had, I wonder this evening what our, our love and our faith looks like. When it's, when it's put to the test, when it's measured against, when we say, okay, my love for God and my love for brother, my brothers and sisters in Christ, what does it look like? So we could ask ourselves, well, what could we measure it by? If our offerings, and I'm not just talking about monetary offerings, I'm talking about what we offer. Brother Nash talked about worship, worship is an offering, uh, our service is an offering, prayer is an offering, 
Um, there are, the time, talent, and treasure, all those things are, can be offerings to God. And so if our offerings in every area are the first fruits because of love and faith, then I think that we can say, you know what? I, I have a sincere faith and I have a sincere love in my life. But if you can't say that I, I want to give and I bring to God the first fruits, then I think it's got to be examined. And I'm not saying that you don't have it. I think it just needs to be examined. I think if we, if, if we don't say, I, I want to give to God my, my all, and, I, and I, wanna, I, I just have a love for him and I have a love for others, if that's not in, in your heart right now, then, then check it tonight. Because again, when we look at how God gave to us when we were yet sinners, the Bible says, he gave us his first fruits, and he, he did give us his firstborn. The Bible says that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. He is, he is the firstborn of the resurrection. He is the first fruits from the dead. He is above all. He, again, God gave the very best for us. And so in light of that, in light of our faith, in light of our love, in light of our offering to God, in light of all these things, I, the question is, with God giving his all for us, how could we not give our all for him? How could we not say, God, I'm giving you everything? And again, I, I appreciate Brother Nosh sharing that illustration this morning. Uh, because that's, it's, it's that heart thing. You know, people express worship and, and, and praise in different ways, but it's that heart thing. That, that kid, I just want to give God a hug. So give him a hug. That's how he expressed it. He put his arms up. But it, it goes back to the heart. How could we not give our all? How could we not give our, our best to God and even to his people? How could we hold anything back? How could we think that it would be okay to give to God what we think we can afford. And I, and I, and I think that's what we sometimes approach God. And again, I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm saying, well, I, I just don't know if I'm, I just don't, I, I can't or do that. Again, sometimes we measure our giving, our offering to God based off of what we think that we can do versus just simply saying, I want it all. I want to give you all. And so it goes on in verse 13. It says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So again, to know what love is, we see a clear picture of what love is not. It's normal for the lost world to hate. It's normal. It's normal for people who have not been uh, transformed by the love of God uh, to hate. The hatred and murder came from the prince and power of this, this world, came from uh, the ruler of this present darkness, the operator of this world system. That's where hatred and murder came from. Uh, he was, again, instigating in the garden. He was instigating here with Cain. The Bible tells us that, that Satan was in the picture. So those without Christ, for them to hate and for them to murder would be par for the course. Somebody who, hasn't, who says, I, I, I don't have Christ, I don't have a relationship with Christ, it's par for the course for them to, to, to hate and to murder. But that's what makes hatred so spiritually abnormal for those who say they have been changed by Christ. It's spiritually abnormal for, for you and I as Christians to hate one another. 
Because the Bible says we pass from darkness and death. It says that we've been brought from, 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 uh, from that to light and life. From darkness and death to light and life. That's what's happened to all of us who've been saved. And the evidence very clearly is this, John says. The evidence is that you love the brethren. That you love the church. That's the evidence that you've been changed from darkness to light, from, from, uh, from death to life. That's evidence that you have a love, not only for people, but specifically the, the people of God, that you can't explain. Because somehow, some way, a power of uh, the, the force of God, the love of God inside you, will even compel you when you are offended by a brother or sister to forgive them and still love them with a love that is beyond your capacity to love. And so again, that's one of the evidences of, of being changed and being a child of God and having this relationship with God, being in the light, is the fact that you love the church, love the brethren. John brings out the teaching of Jesus that if you hate, you commit murder. And um, the, the question I have, though, is if that's, that's a major indictment, right? You hate, you commit murder. Uh-oh, because I have to be honest and say, I, I have said I hate that. And I don't know that, I, I don't know that I've ever said I hate them, and, and maybe I have. I mean, maybe when, in a, when I was younger, but um, that's a strong indictment. If you hate, you're a murderer. And Jesus said that. And so, and the Bible says that no murderer has any inheritance in the, with eternal life. You don't have eternal life. And so... Uh, the, the question is raised then, what exactly is hate, right? Because that's, that's, the, that's the, all right, I, I thought I was a Christian. I believe I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. All those things swirling around, I love. And then we start getting challenged on our, what, what our love is. And then we bring up this idea of hatred being equivalent to murder. And then murder being that that's evidence that you don't have eternal life. What is hatred? Tell me what it is. The Greek word is meseo. And uh, so I, I think I put the definition. Yeah. Um, so it means to detest, which I think that we can all agree that I get that. Yeah. To detest something or someone. Uh, there's also the, the definition of hatred, which Jesus used where, where he said, unless a man hate his mother, father, sister, yea, in his own life also, he can't be my disciple. That part of the definition means to love less. So again, in comparison to our love for God, we love th all of these things, even our own life less. Um, so that part of hatred. But then look at the further definition here. Malicious and unjustifiable feelings towards others, whether towards the innocent or by mutual animosity. You don't like each other. You hate each other. So again, think about this. This is the picture of hate. This is what the definition of hate is. I, I think that helps us some. To, to know, do I have this in my heart? Is this a part of my life? Is this, can this define who I am? And we're going to get into a little bit more about that in just a second. But I think to, to further illustrate what love looks like and therefore what our love for one another looks like, uh, we need to look further. And, and, and as John continues in verse 16, he says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. So you see two different ends. You see uh, Cain and his hatred producing murder, 
And that's the opposite of love. That is, if you want to know what love is, it's not that. It's not jealous-driven animosity, uh, disdain, uh, to to that point. And again, Cain acted on that. But on the other side, he says, so here's how we know what love looks like. He laid down his life for us. And so that is the picture of love for us as followers of Jesus Christ. So she says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, or for the brethren. So if, 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 if hatred looks like taking a life, love looks like giving your life. Think about that. So am I, am I closer defined in the way that I act, the way that I think, the way that I treat others? Am I more defined by hatred or love? You say, well, I'm not trying to hate anybody. No, but what does love look like? He says, we know what love looks like because he laid down his life for us. And if we are to love the brethren, just like Jesus said, we are to love them as he loved us, then we ought to lay down our lives for each other as well. He goes on to say, but if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Again, that's, that's the challenge. If, 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 so here's another illustration. Hatred is associated with taking Love is associated with giving. Cain took his brother's life. Christ gave his life. And that's the, that's the opposites of what we see in our life. And so if we are the people of God, John is telling us that we are to be loving each other. And that is, to, that is, a, that is an evidence, that's a proof, that's, a, that's a, a, an assurance, that's um, a, an encouragement to say, this is how you know you are in Christ. This is how you know that you are in the fold. This is how you know that you're a child of God. Because you have this love in you. And this love is very clearly for, not only, as I said a while ago, not just people, but specifically the the brethren, the body of Christ, the church. This is one of the the greatest illustrations. If, if, If hatred takes and love gives... And you see that you have a brother or sister that's in need. And you have the ability to, to help them and you don't help them. How can you say that God's love abides in you when remember, this is how we know love, that he gave his life for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. He showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So again, how, how can we say that God's love is in us if, if that's how we love our life? And so he goes on verse 18, little children... So let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Because love is not just a word, it's not just an emotion, it's action. And again, love, love gives. As I've preached throughout this study, again, it's, it's clear that love gives. I think a beautiful picture of that I was walking out this morning and um, Josh and, and Lizzie, uh, they're in a little... Not, not newborn, but new baby. And uh, she was sitting on the bench there in the, in the hallway and uh, feeding that little baby boy. And uh, I, it, just, it just takes you back. When, you, when you've had babies, you, you know this. Uh, you look down in those baby's eyes when you're feeding it. And there is something that happens. And I know it's even more special for moms and nursing and stuff. But uh, I know even as a dad, you know, looking down at my girls and uh, having that bottle in their mouth and... and uh, sometimes they would just look at you and they just grin and that milk would just come streaming out the side of their mouth and stuff. And, 
And I mean, just an absolute love for them. And, and, and what, are, what are you doing in that moment? You are providing for them. You are giving to them. You are, you are doing everything for them. And that's how newborn babies learn what love is. They learn what love is because their parents give them everything. They, they, they learn this is what it is to love. That's how they learn love, too. They, they love parents. They, they, they love them, again, because they are given everything. I want you to get this analogy here because we, if, we as a people of God and some spiritual parents maybe, more spiritually mature, if, if we're properly focused and pro- properly disciplined and discipled ourselves, then I think that we have learned what love is from our Father and we have learned what love is from other believers And I think that's what happens with new believers when they come into the fold. That they learn the love of God. They are are lavished with the love of God through the body of Christ. Because why? We are loving one another as he loved us. But I think that's where we can fall short. I think that that we can get wrapped up even in church life and and stuff and things. and, And doing and going and we've got stuff to do and places to go and and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I'm not just talking about in worship services. I'm not, this is one day. This is a, an important day. And I think that we forget to show love sometimes even to new believers. I think that we can stop showing love to one another even as older believers. Right? Think about this. How... How easily do you withdraw your love when somebody does something against you or doesn't do something you want them to do? How quickly do you stop giving? How quickly do you stop giving that same love that you gave before? Man, I I so thank God that he doesn't treat me like that. I so thank God that he doesn't say, you know what, okay, I'm going to stop giving you, I'm going to stop giving you breath today. (laughs) That's, again, that's not how God loves us. Why do we love each other? That's not it. We're supposed to love each other as he loved us. We're not supposed to be like Cain did. Well, fine. If you're going to be like that, I'm just going to, well, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's more like it's about me, not about you. The completely opposite from what, what Jesus' life and, and his, his ministry is all about. But how quickly and easily do we stop showing love to each other? And then that, that even goes to that further level of, of new believers, right? New believers come in, and just like newborn babies learn love, is that how they're going to learn to love in the body of Christ? Is that, was that what, they, is that what new, new believers see? Is that, oh, okay, so there's not a whole lot different from Christians and other people that I know. Because Jesus said, what is going to distinguish us from everybody else is our love for one another. So what he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So the world, new believers, everybody should, should be radically impacted when they encounter us, when they come into this place of gathering and worship. They should be completely impacted by these people love each other. It is crazy. 
They, they, they have a, such a special bond and such a special love for each other. So hatred is about taking and love is about giving. And giving can be as easy as a kind smile. Giving can be as easy as a loving handshake. It can be as easy as a pleasant, hi, how are you doing? It can be as, ple- it can, can be as easy as a, as a loving hug. And of course, it can go further. Give monetarily. Somebody you know that has a need. I just want to be a blessing to them. You know, somebody's going through something or they're difficult times, and so you say, you know, hey, we're just going to provide a meal, give a blessing some way, somehow, helping them physically, uh, whatever, and so on and so on. So, again, love and giving can, can look at different things, but sometimes it's just the, the simplest of things. And I really want us to be challenged tonight with, with, with how our love uh, is expressed. And, and how, it, how it's given, how it's withheld, right? Because search your heart, search your life, and has somebody done something or not done something to you that you have stopped giving to them because of that? Again, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about you've stopped giving them that smile. You've stopped giving them that conversation. You've stopped giving them those hugs. You've stopped giving them uh, any, because of something that has been offended. And again, if we're to love one another as he's loved us, then you can't love like that. We can't love like that. If you offend me, I, I, I can't stop shaking your hand. I can't stop having that conversation saying, hi, how are you doing? Or how's things going? I can't stop giving you a hug and, and saying, it's good to see you. I, I love you. And I can't do that if I'm supposed to be loving like Christ loved me. And neither can you. Our love is supposed to set us apart from everybody else in the world. That's why I desire in our church so bad. That's why God moved on my heart years ago to make our, our identity statement, vision statement, that we're a, a praying church with a passion. And passion was a word that I felt like was important because it encapsulates lo- encapsulate this love. When you are passionate about something, it drives everything. A passion for God and a passion for people. And so... I, I want that. I want our church to be that far set apart that that's what people, and, and praise God, we had new members class on Wednesday night, and, and I think our church does an amazing job. I don't, I don't want to dis, discount or, or disregard what, what God is doing in our church and through our church, but we, we sat in there, and Miss Kelly sat in there for a few minutes before Rochelle could get here uh, with these two uh, ladies that are looking to join our church, and um, they just were going on and on about how warm and welcoming how love how much love they felt from our church and and it was just such a a blessing to hear and i pray that's always what people experience just an absolute unique experience of the love of god in this place because of the love we have for one another but i don't i don't i want us to be challenged because i know that we can get lazy right we can we can we can let down because it, it takes something it takes effort to give love it's sad, but we're in these fleshly bodies, and to do something spiritually and pleasing to God, it, it's usually harder than the, the fleshly thing. But I want to ask you this, Christian, tonight. <clears throat> Have you shut up your heart? Have you closed up your heart to the brethren? 
Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's two people. Maybe it's a family. Maybe it's a group of people. Have you closed up your heart and stopped giving love because of something done or not done? Excuse me. Are you giving love? There's another side to this giving because you can give monetarily and say, I love because anytime there's a need, we give. Uh, I I love because anytime they need help, we're there to help. I I love this, but you can give in all those ways, but if you never give relationally, you're missing the whole point because that's what God intends for the body of Christ. That's That's why God became flesh, the Bible says, and dwelt among them. It was about the relationship. God lived with them. He, he walked with them. It was about a daily interaction with his, with his people. It's about relationship. And when he left and he gave these commands to love one another and, and to love as I've loved you, and so shall men know that you're my disciples and all this kind of stuff, the, 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 what he had in mind was exactly what the apostle Paul was, was pinning to the Corinthian church when he says, look, it's like a body. You're, 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 you're knit together into the Ephesian church. He wrote similar things that, that every joint is, is strengthened by one another, and, and that's how the whole body get, builds itself up in love to give glory to the head, which is Christ, as Ephesians says. That we are supposed to be closely knit together. I love that word in the Bible, knit. Jesus, again, being the greatest example he had a relationship with his, with his church, with his people. And the reason why he did? Clear. Love. He loved them. Like how, how opposite is it if you say, I love them, but I don't have a relationship with them? That's, that's odd. I'm not saying that you can't love, just have a general love for people, but it's supposed to be unique in the people of God. There's supposed to be something that stands out. It's supposed to be different. And so... Are you giving because you love? Are you giving those hugs, those handshakes, those smiles, those texts, those emails, those phone calls, that, that money, that help, that, that whatever? Are you giving because of love? Are you doing it sincerely because you love? Do you operate in love? Are you existing in this body and find yourself operating with a closed heart? It's closed off. John qualifies what our love is in in verse 19. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. This is how we know that we are a part of the truth and we are in God's kingdom and we reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Again, essentially referring back to verses 17 and 18 here. This is how we know we belong to the truth, by practical acts of love. And no doubt when we fall short, when we feel inadequate and our heart says, you don't, or if we see that we're not loving the way that we we should, then we know that God knows that because he knows everything and he'll thus judge accordingly. But he continues on in verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. So if we can stand sincerely before God, knowing that we love each other, knowing that we're, we're giving because we do love, knowing that this is how we're operating, then whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases. So again, if the heart is clear, if the conscience is clear, knowing that we are loving as we have been loved, loving each other as we've been loved, 
then we can be confident when we go to God, the Bible says. We can be confident that we can ask anything according to His will and that He's going to hear us. The reason why He's going to hear us is because we're in line with Him. We're in right fellowship with Him. We're right fellowship with other people. We're keeping His commands just as it said. Which we'll eventually see these commands aren't grievous, so they're not hard. And it's what pleases Him. And I love the last couple of verses here. Just in case we're not clear what it looks like. What are the commands we're to keep in order to please God? Just in case we're wondering, verse 23. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. Again, this is, this is something so important because we see in Galatians um, chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. What, what, let's do, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people might know the fruit of the Spirit, but there's songs, right? What, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Well, 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 start them in order. Do it again. Love. The very fruit, first fruit that's listed in the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. And so, I want you to think about this. He just said, there's this overwhelming evidence, this overwhelming um, uh, assurance that you have when you're in Christ. Number one, you keep his commandments. You love because you have faith in, in Christ. You, you keep his commandments. You love. And not only that, the spirit inside you testifies. That's how you know that he lives in you is by the spirit of God. It's very simple. And to be in right fellowship with God, to ask him anything according to his word, according to his will, and him to hear it and him to answer it, to please him. We have to believe in the son, Jesus Christ. We have to love one another. So faith, love, and obedience to God's commands are all evidences that we have a real relationship with God. And kind of like that cherry on the top of, we don't know if that's, that's right or wrong to say, but the cherry on top of, of all of this is the spirit that bears witness with our spirit, just as Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 says this, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Don't have anything to do with him. And if, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, verse 16, that we are the children of God. So again, when we see that you can't be a child of God without having the spirit of God, I, I was, it was brought up to my attention this morning. Um, that there are some people that have a question about having the Spirit of God. Do you get that Spirit at the moment of salvation? Absolutely. If anybody's ever told you anything different, they're wrong. That's what we see in Scripture. Is the moment you get saved, the Spirit of God comes to indwell you, lives inside of you. Now, there's a, a difference between being indwelt with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. We see filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts. We see that we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, that has to do with being uh, in fellowship and obedience and in, 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 in right fellowship with God, uh, being filled with the Spirit. That's what that has to do with having, having that set straight in our life. But being indwelt with the Spirit is what he's talking about here. So when you get saved, you get the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1 says the same thing. In whom, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believed in him and were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so again, when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit of God. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to uh, speak in tongues. You don't have to have anybody lay hands on you. you don't, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and does the washing and regeneration in your heart. 
comes to live inside you. And so again, that's, that's what happens in the moment of salvation. So if you are saved here tonight, then there are some things that have happened. You have believed in Jesus Christ. You have a love for this body and the body of Christ that you can't explain. And that love is evidenced by what you give and what you do. You can't help it. And you are convicted anytime you close your heart up to loving the brethren. Because if you're here tonight and you can close your heart off to another brother or sister and you're okay with that, I'm just telling you, something is wrong. That's what the Bible says, not me. Something is wrong. Your heart's condemning you, the Bible says. God knows your heart. It's condemning you. If you can close your heart off to the brothers or, or sisters, there, there's something wrong. There's something, there, there, there's, there's a sickness there that's got to be taken care of. And maybe it's backsliddenness. Maybe it's a, a place you need to, but, but you know it's backslidden. But I, I, I really want to challenge us tonight to really evaluate uh, our love for each other. Have faith in God. Love the brethren. And again, the Spirit of God bearing witness with our, our, our spirit um, that He is inside of us. And so tonight, again, that challenge, what does your love look like? And specifically, what does your love look like towards the body of Christ? Um, I pray that nobody in here is closing off their heart or holding animosity or not, and, and it's not just about that, but we should be giving. Remember, hatred has to do with taking, love has to do with giving. Uh, I'll just be honest with you, it's the way that I'm, I'm wired. There's no, uh, any other reason um, why I stand in the back. I, I like people to come through. I realize sometimes people got to go and, and do different things and stuff, but I, I like shaking hands. And I, we don't get to see each other every single day, and, and it's, it's family. Like, we are the family of God, and there's love here that, again, is unique. And so uh, to shake, say, hi, how you doing, to, to hug and, and all that kind of stuff, it's important to me. And that's why I do that. And I, just to be honest, me and Brother Jim, uh, we, we had a conversation uh, about uh, the end of services. And um, I said, you know, I, I struggle. We tried to do something at the end of uh, services for a few months, and that was to sing uh, uh, like a verse and a chorus or a bridge and a chorus uh, to go out because I, I felt like, man, that's just such a great way. After we heard the Word of God, it's almost like we, we haven't been able to like fully respond. Like now that we've been in God's Word, we've been in worship, we've responded to God, like now let's, let's just praise Him again as we go. And so that was the idea, and I just, I, I just don't know if it's the right time or, or just something wasn't clicking. Something wasn't there. And so, um, and on the flip side of that is I didn't really get to be back there until like the last 10 people were, uh, were coming through. And so I was like, ah, I just didn't like it. So when we were looking at these, these new service uh, schedules and stuff, uh, that's kind of where I was like, you know what? Let's just do away with that end song. Uh, that way I can be back there. And we can just kind of do things differently. And, and again, it helps uh, people be able to serve in the back. Just so many different, better ways. And, and so, um, but I just want us to have that kind of love in this church. I just want us to, to love each other with a sincere love uh, because it's in us. And that's what pleases God.